shares in the U.S. took a hit on Friday as the virus continues to rise again in many parts of the world, including the United States. There are exceptions, of course, and Australia is one of them, with the numbers down in Victoria and the hopes of easing restrictions to be announced in New Zealand today. But elsewhere, the question is, what next and what can central banks do? Well, there's plenty of opportunities to hear firsthand this week because central bank speakers are out in force. It's Monday, the 21st of September, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, big falls in U.S. equities on Friday. The S&P 500 and Nasdaq down more than 1%. Over the week, the Nasdaq finished half a percent down and closed at its uh, lowest level since early August. The S&P 500 is 0.6% down over the week. Bigger falls in Europe with the U.S. Stocks 50 losing almost 1% last week. The FTSE 100 down 0.4%, whilst the ASX finished the week uh, more or less flat, uh, despite a 0.3% fall on Friday. U.S. 10-year treasuries were slowly climbing last week, up a few basis points, a little over four basis points for 30 years. Aussie 10 years uh, also up four basis points over the week. The US dollar rose a little on Friday, but half percent down over the week and uh, lost 1.5% to the Japanese yen. Friday wasn't a great day for the pound, losing 0.4%. The pound has really been all over the place, hasn't it, this uh, this month? The Aussie dollar was down a third of 1% on Friday, but finished the week pretty close to where it started, just below 73 US cents. And Rodrigo Catril is here again, senior FX strategist at NAB in Sydney. Uh, so what's, what's interesting is, I mean, we saw at the end of the, the last week a real risk-off mood in equities again, but we're not seeing that reflected in bond prices, are we? Yeah, morning, Phil. Um, yeah, so if anything, we've seen this decline in the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq, which, by the way, it actually means that um, both have recorded a third consecutive week of decline. Um, and yet the, the, the news flow wasn't really, you know, uh, didn't give us any hint as to the turn in, in the souring sentiment. Um, but also the interesting thing has been that uh, the steadiness, if you like, of the U.S. dollar uh, and, and U.S. Treasury yields, despite this sort of risk off environment that we're seeing in equities, is being kind of gradual, but still uh, is clearly evident in, 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 in the equity market. Um, and because there hasn't been sort of a trigger as such, the market is kind of speculating as to what really is, is it all about. Is it, is it because, you know, they're, they're losing faith on, on, uh, on the Fed having the ability to stimulate the economy? Um, is it because maybe, you know, we had equity markets that are extremely overvalued and, and a correction is due? Um, and I suppose the other thing as well is, is, is yeah. the virus, uh, the, the, the virus not only are going up in, in Europe, uh, which we'll probably talk a little bit more about that, but they're also, they're also creeping up a little bit in the US as well. So, um, there's a little bit of sort of virus uncertainty yeah. going on. Um, and, and then I suppose there's, there's other factors such as the fact that the, the US election is actually getting a little bit closer and, and therefore the market is inevitably going to start thinking mm. a little bit more about what it all means. Um, what, what are the potential changes to uh, policy if Biden, for instance, gets elected? And, and what is Trump, uh, President Trump uh, would do in, in, in a second term as well? Yeah, or all of the above. I mean, you certainly wouldn't <laughs> want to be holding uh, uh, shares that are overvalued, given all of that uncertainty, would you? And, and yet, despite, you know, the, the, the sort of like underlying numbers we see out of the United States, if we ignore the slightly important one of the COVID-19 numbers, the data tends to look good, doesn't it? So we had the, the latest on Friday, the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index, uh, was at its highest on Friday since early April. That's right. So um, that was actually the, the revision or the final number that you get in terms of the, the consumer sentiment. 
And, and it was pretty, pretty encouraging to see that despite, despite the fact that we've seen the equity markets, uh, you know, ease up over the last three weeks and also, the, uh, you know, the increasing in, in virus numbers, um, you know, it, it, it hasn't had an effect, at least on the consumer. Saying that when you read the report, there was a comment of, um, a little bit of when, uh, of uncertainty creeping up in terms of the election. So it's an interesting one because, uh, it might have a bigger bearing in, in next month's reading just yeah. in front of the election as well. So it is interesting, isn't it, as well? I mean, there will, there will be a lot of people who haven't been affected directly by the COVID-19 who are sitting on uh, share port- port- portfolios that are worth a, a fair bit more now. So that's uh, probably explains a fair bit because if we look at the numbers, uh, it, it, it was much lower for longer in 2008 and, and again in 2011. So that's going to be a, a sign of how much is being driven by shares. Look, uh, on Friday, let's get on to the Fed because it's interesting. A, f- a few different board members uh, from the Fed uh, talking about their policy on interest rates and their own interpretations of it. Uh, Neil Kashkai, for example, saying that, you know, they shouldn't make the mistakes of the past by kicking in too quickly and cutting potential job growth in, in the process. Uh, not that, of course, the, the Fed has much of an appetite to do that for, well, maybe a few years yet, does it? Yes. So I suppose the, the debate uh, that is probably going to become even more interesting now that is that after, you know, the, the FOMC, we now get to hear from individual Fed's uh, members. Um, and then in, in particular, if you remember, Kashkari was one of the dissenters. So he's been talking about the idea that uh, we shouldn't be looking at headline inflation and, and getting caught up in these ghost stories of inflation, because ultimately, um, when you look at the headline inflation, it includes all these volatile items. And in particular, we're seeing quite a lot of volatility because of the pandemic. Um, so instead, we should be looking at the trend. Uh, of inflation and, and don't get caught up on these headlines. And this in particular, bear in mind that there's a potential that we may see inflation get towards 2% in the US over the next couple of months because of these one-off effects. Like for instance, you know, we, there's a lot of being said about used cars because there's not a lot of new cars available. People are wanting to drive rather than take public transport and then used car prices have gone up. Um, and the same thing here in Australia as well. So, um, so when you look through the, those sort of big jumps on inflation because of these kind of one-off effects, uh, core inflation and the underlying inflation still remains quite low. So he's saying we shouldn't be focusing on the headline and he wanted the Fed to look at that. Uh, meanwhile, um, Kaplan, who was the other dissenter, um, he's, he's kind of arguing the other way around and says, no, we need to keep our options open. You know, the inflation can go up and, and, and therefore we shouldn't kind mm. of restrict ourselves to just sort of yeah. a, a more narrow measure of inflation. Right. So certainly but, but, but all a difference num- of opinion there. All numbers though, I mean, at the moment, they're all all over the place. You've got to look at the trend, haven't you, rather than individual interpretations. Look, the pound is almost certainly going to take a hit today, isn't it? Because uh, uh, they've had some pretty bad numbers uh, over the last few days in terms of uh, the number of infections there. Over 4,000 on Saturday. The health minister has warned that they are at a tipping point. Boris Johnson is going to make and address tomorrow, uh, so more restrictions seem likely. France has just had a couple of days with infections over 13,000, which is way more than the first wave. And uh, cases, as you said, are starting to rise again a bit in the United States. They're getting close to 200,000 deaths. This is obviously all starting to focus on the minds of investors again, because it it's scary stuff. They are pretty scary. And, and if anything, uh, I think that the focus is shifting a little bit towards Europe because of the, the magnitude of those numbers and in particular, as you mentioned, the UK. So uh, we know Boris Johnson is going to make a statement about this on Tuesday. But 
surely the statement is not going to be good news. Um, it, it means some sort of lockdown measures are going to be introduced. Um, and of course, that's going to have a big impact on the economy. We, we saw retail sales printing a decent number on Friday. We've seen the economy sort of rebounding a little bit after the big decline and, and a, a new round of lockdowns. It's not going to be good news for the UK economy. And, and the same thing in Europe. Uh, it's still the sort of the, the engine there is, is Germany and Germany is still also in, in uh, although better than France and, and Spain, which are the, the concern at the moment, um, you know, the potential for, for lockdowns means that this sort of advantage that the Europe is having over, over the US in terms of reopening and, and activity uh, may come into question, particularly, as you also say, that um, we've seen an improvement in, in the US uh, data releases for quite some time now. Yeah. Look, uh, the good news in terms of infections, obviously, is close to home. Just 14 cases recorded in Victoria yesterday. So hopefully lockdowns are going <laughs> to ease there and uh, we'll start to see more of a recovery. They're going to be announcing in New Zealand today uh, that they're going to ease restrictions further. It's expected that's going to kick in from uh, from tonight. And the AFR today reporting uh, speculation that billions, maybe as much as 10 billion, is going to be made available for shovel-red infrastructure projects uh, f- uh, from October the 6th, from the October the 6th budget So the, in Australia to try and boost jobs. So obviously trying to get that unemployment uh, from not hitting 10% by the end of the year. So that is all uh, good news. Of course, the, the the places that don't have big infections are the ones that are doing well. Uh, if we look at uh, China, the CSI 300 rose 2.3% on Friday, just as US equities were going down. The yuan rose 1% over the week. Uh, if you believe the data, of course, they're averaging just 13 new cases of COVID-19 a day day now and no deaths for a long long time so uh, no reason really for the people's bank of china to do much else uh, but it, it's loan prime rate decision today it's been on hold for four months now uh, presumably it's going to stick there Yes. So I think, if anything, the, the takeaway from the actions from the PBOC over the past couple of weeks, in particular the last week, is it's very clear that they have no appetite for um, lowering interest rates in order to stimulate the economy further. Uh, they're pumping more liquidity into the market. They're also allowing for the currency to appreciate uh, against the backdrop where the economy is doing better, um, not only on a relative basis, but it's actually doing better overall. It's improving. Uh, and, and the consumer, which has been the weakest link, is also showing signs of life as well. So overall, there's plenty of arguments there for, for the PBOC to leave the loan rates unchanged. Um, and uh, it remains to be seen how much allowance they, they will give for, for the, appreciation of the, uh, the appreciation of the yuan. And it is a big week, isn't it, for central banks? Uh, and they do seem to be driving the markets more than anything at the moment. So we've got the Fed's Charles Evans uh, giving a speech tonight. Jerome Powell is up before the Congress and the Senate for two days this week being grilled. Uh, Andrew Bailey from the Bank of England is also going to be cra- uh, quizzed this week. And uh, the same for Guy DeBell from the RBA on Tuesday. I think he might be giving a speech today as well. And the uh, RBNZ meeting this week as well. Uh, in every case, the question is going to be, what are you going to do now? And uh, I mean, markets, I think, are looking more at the words of central banks than they are at uh, uh, the economic data that we're seeing now, aren't they really? Yes, uh, in particular, given, um, well, I suppose all of them have their own different stories, but the, the, the guy, the veil sort of interesting thing for Australia is because there's been a lot of debate as to whether the RBA should be or will be doing more in terms of the, uh, uh, the stimulary supports. Um, um, you know, the governor talked about this idea of lowering the cash rate from 0.25 to 0.10. Also talked about the idea of extending uh, the QE program beyond what is needed for the yield curve control policy, which is targeting the three year rate. 
Um, so there's a lot of debate as to whether what that means. It means you, you can buy a lot more bonds that is needed uh, in order to have an effect, particularly on the currency. Um, also move, moving the yield curve control or extending it to, to the five-year part of the curve, for instance. Um, so what Guy Bell has to say there is particularly relevant given that his title is Australian Economy and Monetary Policy. So it's expected that he will give us a little bit more color as to for one, what it could do, what the bank could do, could aim to do next, and also what are the conditions for the bank to actually do that uh, to to increase the stimulatory measures as well. So, um, so lots going on, and as you, as you mentioned, uh, being said, has the the policy and and Fed Chair Powell hopefully also gives us a little bit more color around all this tolerance of inflation. What is it? What does it mean? How much? Um, you know, where's the level uh, in terms of the inflation rate that they will be to- they will tolerate, and and how much time? you know, a couple of months, years, well, well, uh, that's what remains unclear. Right. Okay. Well, we'll hopefully be clearer by the end of the week. Good to talk. Catch you again very soon. Thank you. (laughs) Pleasure, Phil. Cheers. So much uncertainty, isn't there, right now? That's it for the morning call for this Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.